0: Let's be honest. Life's hard sometimes. We get discouraged, struggle in our faith, and it's easy to feel alone. Despite how you might feel sometimes, know that God's got your back. And so do we. Vision's prayer line team are ready to pray for whatever you're going through. Text your prayer request to 0401 132 888 and we will be praying for you. Or click prayerline at vision.org.au. That's 0401 132 888 or vision.org.au. It's another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Life, culture,
1: and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
0: And it's my privilege to welcome on the line today, Martin Niles from the Christian Lobby. How are you doing, brother?
1: Doing well, thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm actually just trying to stop laughing at your silly dad joke about facts. (laughs) (laughs) I was glad you didn't go straight to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mate. Yes, I do love a good dad joke. I. uh um it's a spiritual gift martin and i can't hide that gift i have to use it you know so
1: (laughs) one that wasn't included in the biblical list though but
0: that's okay (laughs) true true uh now martin we always love to uh hear about some of the uh, political hot potatoes happening around the world and around our country Uh, a big one that is ongoing is the debate about religious freedom what's the latest there
1: Ah, well, yeah, the religious freedom, a debate that will never go away. Um, the latest is that Parliament resumes uh, in a couple of weeks or so a few weeks' time. I think the 26th of November, both houses are back on, that's a Tuesday, for two weeks. And during that period, there will be a new religious discrimination bill tabled. Most people will know that a first draft of that bill was released a few months ago, um, and it came with several promises, for example, that the next Israel Folau would never couldn't happen that the next Archbishop Julian Porteus couldn't happen and that religious bodies like Christian charities and schools could uh, uphold their ethos and not get sued for discrimination. Um, That sounded wonderful. We read the bill and then went, ah, close, but no cigar, because um, the actual way that the bill is framed and worded and constructed means that it really doesn't achieve the things that it claims to achieve with any sort of effectiveness. And so we and a number of organizations have all been, uh, you know, making our representations and saying it's not quite good enough. We got to uh, chat to the Attorney General several times. And look, all of that input's been done. Many people heeded the call to action when we asked people to actually write into the uh, committee inquiry that went on to say, look, please raise these concerns. And we had, uh, I think, 1,500 people just in a couple of days uh, period wrote in and, and raised the alarm. So Look, I feel like we've done what we can, and the second draft will be uh, revealed in all its glory mm-hmm. very soon. And uh, that may well be kicked off to another committee. Believe it or not, over Christmas, and so we'll all get to have another day <laughs> on the second draft. And some start probably the third Christmas I've been thinking about religious freedom, but um, uh, you know, so it drags on. But we trust. Progress, And I think that, uh, you know, we're very grateful for the support of uh, ordinary Australians who have come on and helped out with those campaigns and that consultation process.
0: Well, we'll certainly keep praying for wisdom for our political leaders. And uh, we uh, appreciate uh, you speaking up and the Christian lobby, I know, always speaking up about this hot topic. Uh, Very important that we keep that in our prayers. Now, another big story coming out of New South Wales. Surprise, surprise, the Greens have got another move to remove the lord's prayer from the opening of parliament what are your thoughts on that mate
1: yeah look i think the greens are getting more and more bold i think about um just attacking things that uh, are christian um and uh, there's been a lot of moves like that lately uh, you know the federal parliament even that attack on christian schools in the end of last year and uh, you know we see this stuff coming up more and more it's very specifically targeted against religion and Look, a lot of people say, oh, well, look, the Lord's Prayer, you know, aren't they? You know, maybe it should go because a lot of people in Parliament are not Christian. But but here's the thing. Um, A lot of people in Parliament are Christian, and we lose sight of that sometimes. Mm. There's a lot of genuine Christian people in our Parliament to which we can thank God. And uh, they do really solid work, and they're good people. And uh, I tell you what, they feel very alone. Uh, a lot of the time, and they actually attend the Lord's Prayer at the start of Parliament every day. It's not compulsory. You don't have people in there who don't want to be there, Mm -hmm. forced to pray to a God they don't believe in, Uh, but a lot of people go there voluntarily and start the day with prayer, and that is, I think, a really great thing, and I actually think that to open Parliament with prayer and asking for the blessing of Almighty God and having a small group of Christian politicians in the room at the time is a very good thing. And as Christians, I can't see a reason not to support that practice. And especially when the attack is simply motivated by a desire to get every uh, skerrick of Christianity out of our culture, which uh, I'm not comfortable with. So Mm. uh, that push, you know, we're going to launch a campaign to uh, to, uh, ask the New South Wales Parliament not to succumb to that. uh, And so that we can continue to ask for God's blessing on the New South Wales Parliament at the start of a fresh day.
0: I do reckon when we get to heaven one day, Martin will realize the power of prayer and how much it did affect things Mm. and change things. And if only they knew how powerful that prayer is every day. Uh, But of course, we do have a different perspective. Now, still in New South Wales, after a tough abortion debate, the pro-life cause faces a fresh euthanasia battle. What's the latest there?
1: Oh, well, here we go. It looks like the the, the floodgates have opened a little bit on the euthanasia stuff. I mean, I think we've talked about uh, various other states, Queensland and Western Australia, particularly Western Australia, really getting uh, some uh, head of steam on this and pushing forward with euthanasia laws. Victoria, of course, has legislated it. It has just recently come into effect. And it just seems like that's been the permission structure for the euthanasia activists to get busy in every state around the country, just about, New South Wales. They're starting to go and visit their MLCs and MLAs, uh, their, their MPs, Members of Parliament, to um, to push for it. And uh, that strikes me as uh, probably going to be leading to a private member's bill at some stage next year. So, look, euthanasia, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing because uh, basically it licenses somebody to take somebody else's life and it licenses somebody to commit suicide. And, you know, that may be done for all of the misguided, compassionate reasons in the world, but... Uh, I tell you what, every time you legislate something which is at its heart heart wrong, you can be sure that it leads to a whole pathway of darkness and pain. And um, that's exactly what happens. I mean, we look at uh, the cases, the the, the way things are going overseas, where euthanasia is legal. And I tell you what, it's hair-raising. You have now in the Netherlands and Belgium in particular, but others are quickly catching up. um, You have people being euthanized for dementia Mm. uh, who have never requested it. Um, You have mobile euthanasia units who go around to your house and do the deed on demand. Uh, We have story after story of people being euthanized because one young woman had borderline personality disorder, a nine-year-old with muscular dystrophy. It's a disabled child, three disabled children, actually, that I'm aware of. Um, And so it goes on and on. It's horrible because once you say that, yeah, actually a legitimate means of caring for someone is to kill them, And once you get rid of that absolute principle that life is sacred, there's no reason to keep on just pushing the envelope. You know, why why 18 months prognosis and not 19 months? Mm. Why does the kid have to be over 18? Why not 17 and a half? Why, 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 why? You keep asking the questions, and I tell you what, the slices of the salami keep getting chopped off. And it's very dark, and it is because it's wrong to kill someone. And uh, we need to stand by that and say, nope. This is too far. We don't want Australia going down this road. We want to care for people, not kill them.
0: Mm, it certainly is a slippery slope, as we keep saying, and uh, we need to keep standing our ground on that topic. I'm, I'm so glad you guys are speaking up for that. Uh, another hot topic. In uh, in WA, the ACL is rallying against a proposed drag queen story time at Perth Library aimed at two to six-year-olds. Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I just don't understand what, what parents are doing or even what libraries are doing here. Um, drag queen story time is very popular in the US. It's something that local libraries host, where so they get a drag queen to come in and read stories to children, all in their full garb and looking as horrible as they do. Um, and uh, the same thing's happening in Perth. And, you know, Wendy Francis, who's uh, a great friend of yours and Queensland State Director of the ACL, made a really good point. She said, you know, we now basically condemn we do condemn, you know, the practice of what they call blackface, where you would exaggerate the features uh, of an African-American person and paint your face in black and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's offensive. And and, and and all of a sudden we have a situation where you can get men who uh, do uh, the equivalent to women, which is that they exaggerate all the features of women, they paint themselves in makeup, they look cartoonish and outrageous and highly sexualized, and that's fine. And now they're going to two- to six-year-olds and it is a sexualization thing. That's mm. all it is. Mm. And uh, I do not understand what's going through people's minds. Mm. I think we've we've just about turned our brains to custard if we think that in the name of diversity, this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want kids, young kids, exposed to this, and I don't want young kids even thinking about it. Yeah. Of course, the whole plan here with these people is um, that uh, they think that, well, there's a word they use, heteronormativity, the idea that, Men love women and women love men and men and women get married and have children and families. You know, that whole structure of the way things are, they say, well, no, that's that's wicked, it's oppressive to kids, it's hurting kids. So what are we going to do? We're going to teach them the new way. We're going to teach about being gay. We're going to teach about dressing in drag. We're going to teach them about gender confusion. It's all part of that that, that whole juggernaut, which is going to just, you know, cause so much harm. So uh, we are rallying against it. That is absolutely right. And we're getting people to write into first Library and say, stop.
0: Mm, excellent, excellent that you guys are speaking up on that Did you get a chance to catch 60 Minutes last night at all, Martin?
1: I did not, Matthew uh, I, uh, <laughs> I tell you I um, uh, I was featured on 60 Minutes uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago and maybe I've got PTSD <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll just tell you real briefly, there was a story about pedophiles um. and it showed a trailer park in the US where it's been designated for pedophiles to live and they had a guy there that was defending pedophiles. And he was saying, look, the research shows that these guys were born that way. This is their predisposition. They're they're like this. And we're encouraging them to not act on their desires, but that that's just the way they live and we just have to deal with that. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This was the next step that we warned, you know, (laughs) when it came to saying, you know, you're born yep. gay. The next thing is you're born a pedophile, and then what's the next thing after that? You know. Um,
1: well, this is the thing. I mean, um, uh, people aren't ready to hear this, but uh, you know, we certainly know that there's plenty of people in the academic establishment, and there's plenty of people in the political activist establishment who genuinely, and we underestimate where people are at sometimes on this stuff, but but they genuinely do believe what you said that that actually pedophile is an orientation, that pedophile is a way that people born, and that pedophilia is harmless when done you know mutually and lovingly and all the rest of it there's mm. those people really there's quite a lot of them out there and of course they don't walk into the public square and say it too brazenly just yet because they know that people aren't ready to hear it But i tell you they are working away at the sidelines and we cannot we cannot be uh, numb to that reality
0: mm, mm. absolutely heartbreaking uh, certainly one to keep watching and if you do get a chance to watch the that uh, 60 Minutes episode, you, you'll be fascinated, Martin, at some of the comments they made. They were, they sure. were very bold. I was, I was very surprised that they were so honest and open about it. Well,
1: it's, it's becoming worse, isn't it? They mm. are getting a little more honest and open, uh, but that's how you work. I always call it salami tactics, one slice at a time. You just yes. sort of slowly expose people to the idea, and then it's not so outrageous.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. So, you
1: know, we've got to pray about that and be really mm. um, uh, uh, vigilant.
0: Absolutely. Now, in South Australia, Parliament continues to grapple with legalising prostitution with some support for the Nordic model from both sides. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, this is really interesting, you know. Um, I, I used to be a real sceptic of this thing called the Nordic model, which basically criminalises the purchase of prostitutes. So basically men go down as criminals, uh, but it doesn't criminalise the women. And I thought, ah, oh, that sounds to me a little bit like a political correctness gone mad kind of situation. You know, Surely everyone's responsible in this situation. But I was thinking of glossy kind of prostitution, like, you know, uh, you know, women in their 20s who are well-to-do, who, you know, are high-class escorts with businessmen and all the rest of it. I was thinking wrongly. that It turns out that's not the bulk of prostitution in Australia. I was absolutely alarmed to hear that as many as 80% of prostitutes, women in prostitution, um, in South Australia are trafficked. Mm. Uh, and that Australia is actually, I think it's a top 20, could be top 25, but I think it's a top 20 destination identified by the United Nations for trafficked women, especially from Southeast Asia. We actually have sexual slavery in our country, in our neighborhoods. We had a a young lady called Lisa Olsen, who was involved very much in the policy uh, structures around this in Sweden. And she spoke at a conference uh, in, in Perth, Western Australia for us. And she just talked about the absolute reality that in our suburbs and in our cities in Australia, Trafficking is very, very real. And mm-hmm. there are entire establishments full of trafficked women who are forced to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Really hideous, awful stuff. It, it, the sort of stuff keeps you up at night when you think about the reality going on under our very noses. And the, the thing is, in South Australia, you've got a Green uh, MP, Tammy Franks, who has decided that she wants to decriminalise prostitution. When there's already this massive trafficking problem, and so what we've said is, no, Nordic is the answer because you don't want to criminalise trafficked women. You actually want to free them and you want to criminalise the those who are running these establishments and you want to criminalise those who are actually patron, uh, patrons of these establishments. Uh, and that is a far better way forward so that we can try and solve the trafficking problem. And there's a lot of evidence from overseas that it actually works. And so we are lobbying very hard for an alternative model, which is this uh, anti-trafficking, what we call Nordic model, Uh, of prostitution law reform. I think that's really important, and um, I'd love to see that gain some traction in South Australia so that we can get traction with that across the country. Next year, 2020, I'd love to see ACL run a very serious campaign on anti-human trafficking, and uh, I think that there's uh, a real opportunity for Christians to get a voice behind that and make a difference.
0: I'm very passionate about that subject, Martin. I've uh, been to Cambodia a few times and worked with uh, Destiny Rescue, who uh, oh, yeah. rescues children? Oh yeah, absolutely. They rescue children from sex slavery and they actually run these orphanages and train them to you know be baristas and and you know mm. give them careers and help them you know get out of the, the horrible uh, web they've been in. And uh, seeing it firsthand, oh my goodness, it broke my heart. Uh, yeah, but uh, fascinating that you know it's happening here in Australia as well. So great, great cause that ACL is planning to speak up for uh, in 2020. Good, to, good to hear. And uh, lastly, let's. Uh, have a, a look at the uh, the ACL's Lachlan Macquarie Institute. A good friend of mine graduated from that uh, a, a while back, and she's now a, a lawyer working for a Christian law firm, Susie Donkin, a good friend of mine. And I know another bloke by the name of Martin Webb who's a graduate of the uh, Lachlan Macquarie Institute. Uh, you got a good profile in the Sydney Morning Herald, I hear. Uh,
1: yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, so <laughs> LMI got written up. And look, Sydney Morning Herald, it could have gone either way, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we were all very surprised when we opened our newspapers on Sunday and went, ah, <laughs> there you go, it's actually quite nice. Uh, so, yeah, Lachlan Macquarie Institute. I mean, um, LMI is ACL sort of training arm, if I could put it that way. We want to get young people equipped be wise leaders of the future. Uh, we want them to be biblically grounded. We want them to understand the world, what's going on today, how to analyze it from a Christian perspective. We want to give them some practical experience in parliament with politicians and with policy. Um, and it's, a, it's an amazing program. I'm a graduate, um, and uh, I, I can only recommend it. It's three-month-long programs. There's also eight-day courses for 18- to 25-year-olds at university. Um, lots of options, lmi.org.au. And you can look at the Sydney Morning Herald article if you Google it. Um, and it gives a really great profile. I was so pleasantly surprised, interviews a couple, one of the alumni um, and talks a lot about what, the pro, what it's designed to do. Basically, we want, we want Christians to be ready for when culture is changing so that actually we are ready to be used by God as a part of that change. We have strong Christian character. We're wise in our application of that character to the world around us. Um, And I do think the culture could change. You look at Kanye West's stories uh, and you just realise in those moments that God is, you know, he's right there. Mm -hmm. He can do anything at any time. Uh, And we want to equip young people to be ready.
0: Absolutely. And since you raised Kanye, you're still listening to him? (laughs)
1: Look, I have done a little bit of
0: listening to him, Matt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like I said last time, you know, I, 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 I said at that stage I had listened to rap music twice in my entire life. And I didn't think there would be a second time, but uh, <laughs> Kanye has got me over the line, and I might have even listened about five or six times by now. Some of those songs, some of those songs are really good. <laughs> I got to say, I really pray for him and hope that he carries on, on on the journey that he started.
0: Amen. Well, always good to catch up with you, Martin. If people want to find out more about the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, if you want to be like Martin Webb. Do the Lachlan Macquarie Institute course. Martin Isles, you oh, mean, Matt? Martin, I called you Martin Webb, didn't I? I'm getting yeah, you mixed up with another Martin. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Martin. all good. Well, I'm
1: sure he's a good guy, so don't worry. <laughs> he is a good guy.
0: This is the problem with live radio. I can't edit that and fix it up. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm live right Anyway, <laughs> Martin Isles, thank you for correcting me, and sorry for calling you Martin Webb. Uh, yeah. If you want to find out more about the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, if you want to find out about the LMI with ACL, you'll be A-OK. Uh, check it out at acl.org.au you thanks for your time martin god bless thank you matt always a pleasure thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au